You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. All right, Paul, we're here. It's uh, the uh, beginning of February. A lot of things are happening in the Pearl Jam world at the same time that nothing is happening in the Pearl Jam world yet. Yes, well, stasis, get- <laughs> stasis is death, Jason. There is, is movement, true. my friend. There Kinetic is movement. It's a- energy is it's, afoot. It's all it's all happening in the dark. <laughs> uh, before we get into today's show, uh, I want to uh, thank all of our listeners for coming back and, and listening yet again. If you're new, hi, hello, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Um, we've got um, a big thanks over to our patrons on Patreon. Uh, we just started a new chapter, a new evolution of Patreon. And uh, I, I want to be the first to tell you that we've got an encore episode, or I guess it's an encore conversation with James Joseph from James and the Cold Gun now available, as well as episode one of Behind the Poster with Brad Clausen. We're talking Virginia Beach 08, baby. Exciting oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, how oh, thrilling so good. is it to, to, to have a, I don't want to call it a private audience with Brad, but just, just kind of like a, a, a voyeuristic window into his creative process and and um just just to have an opportunity to have him do these deep dives into these beautiful images such an exciting perk so if if you don't want that perk that's okay because you can just rate review and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice feed that algorithm and that's enough that's all you need to do i will say one last thing uh if you were interested in patreon February's giveaway, because we're doing a giveaway a month, February's giveaway is the vinyl single, I'm holding it here for for our, our guest and Paul, the vinyl single of Citizen Dick, Touch Me, I'm Dick, on vinyl, <laughs> recorded by uh, recorded by our friends in Mudhoney. Um, so that is, that, that is up for grabs. We will do that at the end of the month. It was a record store day exclusive. I don't know when, but um, Touch Me, I'm Dick by Citizen Dick, the fictional band from singles, vinyl. That's the giveaway for February 2024. Okay, enough of that crap. Let's get into the heat of the meat here. Uh, he's back again for his 435, 45th, 45th appearance. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, give or take. From the Red Mosquito Forums, <laughs> skyscrape.com. Step is back. Thanks for having me, guys. There's no better way to spend a, a Sunday night for me. Uh, well, just a little I, Pearl Jam and some Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I have I have work in a few hours, so I decided to pace myself. I, I caffeinated at four o'clock, and I'm just hoping to, to ride that East Coast wave through the. the <laughs> I was just going to say, good lord, <laughs> let the let the dew <laughs> ride yeah, it yeah, out. Paul, Paul drinking wine over here. <laughs> uh, I'm not drinking anything because my stomach's a little flutter. But I, I will say, um, I apologize if you guys can hear a little pitter patter in the background, and that's because Paul, we have an atmospheric river. Rolling through Southern yep. California right now. It's it's, it's on just, its way to me as we speak. Oh, it hasn't gotten to you yet. No, not yet. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's pissing outside right now, for lack of a better term. It is downpouring. I had to go and get, grab a um a water pump for my neighbor so that my pool doesn't overflow. Oh my word! That's where Ca- we're at. These are California problems. If, if yeah. only Pearl Jam had a song about weather. 
climate. Oh. <laughs> Paul, Paul is not only a great segueist, he's also a great illusionist. This week is all about um, anticipation. We are and have been anticipating new Pearl Jam for what feels like a year, if maybe more. Mm -hmm. But really for the last handful of months since we kind of heard from from Ed in Austin and from Matt in December on the Vinyl Guide podcast and from Mike in his um, Classic Rock Magazine interview – and this and album. Jeff pumping the brakes and then and Jeff, the gas that's and right. pumping the brakes a little bit. That's, that's right. And Jeff and Stone talked to Kyle Meredith back in the summer, last yeah. summer, yeah. about this new album that's coming our way. It's 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 approaching at some point. We just don't know exactly when. Um, but it's been building. And I wanted to, you know, we had a listening party here in Los Angeles last week. Um, a few 10 club people got to go, a lot of industry folks, some writers, like Jonathan Cohen. Wrote something for Spin. Uh, AP was there and, and wrote something uh, for you know the whole of the news. And there's just been a lot of a lot of um, talk online, a lot of chatter. I, I, I'm more jacked up than ever now because I'm jealous of those who got to go. And it got me thinking. In years past, how have we approached a new album? What has been our course of action? How have we chosen to? Uh, get excited or tamper our expectations or be surprised by something. And I think we should start at the beginning. I think we should start at the beginning. Um, And by that, I mean our personal beginnings. Let's go back to maybe our first memory of hearing a new Pearl Jam song or record. When you were a fan, I should say, when you were already a fan, and so the first time you were expecting and anticipating new Pearl Jam, it was versus, um, and and at that point, you know, uh, Animal is a bit of even though it was written the same time as the other ten songs, you know, it it was a departure. And Pearl Jam was in their media blackout mode. Like I was, I didn't even know it was coming until they played Animal on the the VMAs, and I just wondered, you know, what the hell song that was. So that was your first. Um, or that was everybody's first. Yeah, I mean, unless you were like a huge, uh, yeah, I guess for the Mother Love Bone people waiting to see what Jeff and Stone were going to do next. Um, and it was also just because you, I wasn't that used to hearing you know, Eddie live yet. I only really had heard the, the Unplugged. Um, it started what became a, a grand tradition for me for every album, which is like, how does Eddie sound different this time? And mm. the... The vocal performances on 10 were so indelible to me that like every single since then, just about, you know, has I've, I've had that like fingers crossed moment, like you know, what is Ed going to give me this time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and does he have it? Like at first it was just the confusion on Animal of it sounding different. Mm-hmm. And then I think, um, I guess, I don't remember what the first song was I heard off of Vitology. But then moving into you know who you are and like the slightly more nasally sound you know that he had there. The first song I heard off of Yield was "Do the Evolution" on a like you know some New York City K Rock you know radio rip, where I almost like had a heart attack wondering what the hell he had done to himself. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and but they were all they were all defined by how little I knew. You know, like in in the pre-internet age, and with Pearl Jam not doing a lot of 
press. Like, you know, you were you were desperate for, you know, any tidbit that popped up in Rolling Stone or Spin. And I really went into each new album both not knowing anything and also just alone because there wasn't a a fan community that I could really be a part of, especially post Vitology. Like, you know, none of my college friends really gave a shit about Pearl Jam. They weren't going to obsess about it going into an album. And all, with the self-titled album, this all changed because at that point I had found an online community. You mm. could get access to leaks um, or well, we're going to get um, to the internet internet age in a minute. Okay, Still. well then I'll then I'll I've stop got a whole there. section about there. internet. Uh, let, let me let me stop there, Paul. So you, we, I think you and I both kind of found the band on, on ten in some capacity, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> was versus the first record that you, okay? I'm a fan now. I'm anticipating new music or because i'll get into my story in a second but like was that were you looking forward to that did you yeah it's um akin to to stip's experience you know uh, now for me it, it wasn't that performance of animal um you know i uh i didn't i didn't really watch award shows it wasn't like a thing in my family mm-hmm. and uh we never listened to the radio i mean well, that that's not entirely true. But when I was with my dad, we never listened to the radio. He was like, you know, the mixtape guy. I mean, he was constantly <laughs> just making mixtapes and, you know, classic rock and you know, his 80s rock, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, for my mom, I mean, it was like, you know, Kenny G and like the, the radio station in San Francisco that she listened to was was K101. I'll never forget like the, the every time like you come back from a, an ad or something like that. And you, you you hear that voice come in. Welcome back to K one hundred and one, light rock, less talk. And it was just. <laughs> and, We're gonna clip that. So that's and what send I was. Back to them. That, that, yeah, exactly. That that was radio for me in the uh, in the nineties, but uh, <clears throat> you know, early nineties anyway. But uh, for me, my first experience with Pearl Jam, and, and this goes back to versus Vitology, No Code. I literally experienced those records by tearing off the cellophane and popping those CDs in and just hearing them from front to back the first time. No singles on the radio, no performances anywhere. Did you read, and like, that, were you tracking articles or or news? Yeah, I, I mean, eventually, you know, in the age of the internet, I would start reading up on, on what people had to say, you know, what the name of the album would be. Uh, you know, eventually I, I did a lot more research. It wasn't until Riot Act, though, that I actually was like, all right, I kind of want to hear something before before I do that, and that that was the first record I ever did that with, with Love Boat Captain. And I was, I don't want to say I was disappointed, but I mean I, I wasn't really sure what to make of that song at the time. It just, it, I mean, it, it, even to this day, it feels like more of a kind of like a, a workshop with Boom and Ed than than a Pearl Jam song. But um, since then, though, I mean, Dance the Clairvoyance was probably the next track that I actually did that with because. The other records, I, I went full bore into just going back into my habits. And uh, I don't know. I, I think with the you're new record, me, which, Paul, which we'll get into eventually. But. You're telling me that the verses through Binaural, you didn't hear any singles nope. before the album? Nope. Wow. But you could I, do I mean, that without, if you didn't listen to the radio. It's easier to could. do back then, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't listen to the radio back then, you know, and, and you there, really They didn't have videos, and, like... They, yeah, they, they did. They, they stopped doing videos, and I mean, I'd get into my truck to go to school, and I, I just had, you know, I'd make these these CDs. You know, I mean, I would do these these mixtapes, or, or you know, eventually it was it was on CD, but and that's what I would listen to. I just pop pop my own music, and I never was really listening to the radio. So I, I would, so how would I would you view hear? My, 
research to How find you- out when the record was coming out. Okay. And okay. then I go to like you. Virgin or Tower. I go to Virgin or Tower Records and buy it like the day or the weekend it came out. And I would just like, sometimes I'd listen to it in, in my truck on the way home, or sometimes I'd wait till I got home. And Lightning Bolt, Headphones. that's how I did it, you know? I went to yeah. Amoeba, I bought Lightning Bolt, brought it home, waited, you know, wife and kids went to bed, and I just sat there with headphones on and a glass of scotch, and I just listened to that bad boy all the way through, <laughs> you know? New York had a lot of, like, rock radio stations, good rock radio stations in the 90s. And they would, you know, when Pearl Jam especially was huge... They'd announce a single was coming up, and I would like I would run to my stereo. I would get a Maxwell cassette tape, and I would just be Excellent. there recording thirty minutes of radio just to try to capture that song because there was no other. Way. If I missed that, I'd have nothing until the album came out. They they and played imagine a, if, a, if you if some jabroni DJ was talking over the intro, like shut the hell up, man. Well, they they fucking did, <laughs> and you know. The worst. Like you could you could you could kill him. There was they played that my crown jewel for this was they played the vinyl Vitology, um, like in its almost in Ooh. its entirety. But I only got captured. I missed it when it was starting, and this was at least a couple of weeks before the album came out. And I last exit picked up coming out of the solo at the end, like that's where it, it started. And, and you, think, that's oh, like one of your favorite songs too. Well, it, and I just remember like the first time, like I like that I then got actual Vitalogy. It's like, oh, right. There's like a whole song that came before this, uh, before this moment. I, That's I pretty think good though, because you only missed like two minutes. I mean, you, you weren't that late. Well, miss, by missing two minutes, it was a Christmas uh, gift for me. Oh, really? Like some, I literally got that as a Christmas gift. I remember tearing the wrapping paper off and I spent Christmas day in my room alone listening to Vitalogy. <laughs> oh, I, I was in school when it came out. I, I sent my mom to the mall with like very specific instructions. It's like, you will go to a record store. You will buy this. Like this CD has to be waiting this. at home <laughs> when I get back. Like here's the money. Like I have, I've never cut school, but if you tell me you're not going to do this for me, <laughs> like aggressive. I will. I love this- it. <laughs> It's amazing. Outstanding. I, uh, Outstanding. I, I, you know, it's, it, that's so – everyone's story is so interesting to me, especially if you got in, into the band like way later. Because remember, remember our conversation with um, our roundtable with Poland? There was that one right. gal who was like you know, 25 and she got into it like seven, seven or eight years ago. Or maybe it was 10 years ago. Anyways, it wasn't in the 90s. And so to go backwards in time kind of thing, it's just different. But anyways um, – Suffice to say, my story, and I've t- again, I've said this or part of this story way back in episode one, so I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. But after hearing Jeremy on the radio and loving it and getting 10, I don't remember how I got it, but I got 10, and loving all of it, I didn't know about, I didn't know to look or didn't know to think to look for new music. Like I kind of forgot about it. I think part of it was that um, there was so many other bands that I was finding at the same time. Um, I remember, um, get a grip Aerosmith came out. And I was really into that record. I think that was 93. Wake and up then, kid. Um, it's at best. to you pay nothing really change it, but the date. I'll never so, forget that. So That's good. <laughs> oh man. I love that record. Um, and then, uh, and then remember, uh, basket case seeing that on MTV and being like, Whoa, what is this? And then like Dookie rocking my world from basically like 30 years ago this week. Um, and I think some of those other some of the other music kind of I, I wasn't watching MTV really like you were, Stip, and I just didn't think about it. And I think my, I think my friend might have had 
verses at his house. We might have put it on, but I didn't remember any of it. It didn't register for some reason. And then when Vitology came around, I didn't even hear anything except for Better Man. And I was like, oh, that's nice. But I was like, oh, is the is the is the Pearl Jam record good? And he was like, oh, it's just it's weird, whatever. And I bought into it. I just believed him and didn't think to like ask more questions or go listen for myself. I just took it um, as Bible and like kind of ignored it. And the same thing happened with No Code. I saw No Code in my buddy's bed. This is like '96. We're playing guitar in his room. I'm like, oh, what is that? He goes, oh, it's a new Pearl Jam. I go, is it good? He goes, like, there's a couple of songs that are that are cool, but otherwise it's kind of like not. It doesn't really rock that hard. And I go, oh. Again, didn't bother. It wasn't until Yield. I'm in my buddy's car. We're, we're, we're driving home from his school. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I moved away. So I was with him to hang out for the weekend. And we got to pick him up from his school. And we're driving home. And he puts in Yield. He goes, hey, I got the new, I got the new Pearl Jam. I go, oh, that's cool. We put it on. And Brandon J hits. And I don't think I had heard Do the Evolution yet. Or maybe I had, but I didn't. Again, didn't think to look at any any further than that. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then Faithful came on. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool too. And then, you know, no, no way. I'm like, oh, that's pretty heavy. That's awesome. Given the fly, obviously. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And it was, it was that tour, same friend, by the way, who was in the 10 Club at the time, brought me to Hartford, 98, blown away. Immediately, I'm like, okay, when's New Pearl Jam coming out? And I'm thinking, of course, it just came out. But that's when I was like, in line, looking at, I was at Sam Goody, like every day, as soon as I saw Pearl Jam on the board, I go, what is that? He's like, oh yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's it's a new Pearl Jam thing that's coming out. I think it was in November, right? Of 98. And I'm like, oh my God. And I remember seeing you be like, oh, it's a live album. Well, that's kind of cool. But being kind of disappointed that a live wasn't on it. Cause again, I'm an idiot and I was like 16. So, but it still ripped, still loved it. And it was from there that I started being like, okay, what's coming? And like trying to be on the lookout for stuff. Well, there was something that was kind of. There was still something kind of magical about that era, though, because you could be surprised. Like you just would wake up one morning and suddenly there was new Pearl Jam where there wasn't Pearl Jam there before. Mm -hmm. And you know, we had heard that they were recording with you know uh, with Watt, you know, well over a year back. Um, You know, Mike is always saying, "Well, we've got like you know six or seven songs, you know, we're working on like you know his, you know." seems like there's always, you know, that answer whenever he's asked about what they're doing. Um, but like, there's a run, like you, you get impatient because you've been hearing about it for so long. And, you know, I knew albums were coming because I was always actively scanning for this, but like anytime, you know, my name caught, you know, Pearl Jam on a Rolling Stone article, like, you know, somewhere, some newspaper clipping, like, you know, that was, it was a surprise. I was never expecting the news. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if they did more videos, I think it'd be it'd be different through through that era. Yeah, I mean, I I remember Black Hole Sun was my first experience into Super Unknown, uh, self esteem. Yeah, with Offspring Smash, uh, you know, videos for for Dookie as well. So it's, I think with with Pearl Jam though, I mean, after ten, it was because I you know they weren't making videos and I wasn't listening to radio. It was easy to just make my first foray into that record putting it on for the first time and hearing it. Well, there was always something new too. They were so prolific in the nineties, like really up through riot mm-hmm. act from, from 10 through riot act. There's only four years. Another uh, an album's not coming out of some kind or another, if you count, you know, Merkin ball. So there was always something that could be sneaking up on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also too, you know, we're not young people by any means, but 
we're not as old as a lot of fans are either. And if you were, you know, in college when the band broke, I feel like you had established friendships or you were able to go out to places where you would find music easier than kids who were, you know, five to 10 years younger who aren't going out and hanging out at, at the mall as much, don't watch as much MTV, are kind of in their own little bubbles more so, I think. I mean, some kids are obviously different. Um, but yeah, the 90s were different because you didn't you didn't really know. And I think everybody had their record store or had their CD store or whatever you want to call it. Was it FYE was one and Tower and Virgin and Sam Goody and Strawberries and whatever else you got out there here in America, at least. And um, I remember just looking at the board behind the cashier and being like, you just, you just see the calendar of what's coming. And then when you, when you see Pearl Jam on there, you go, whoa, oh my God. So when, when, when I first heard, let me ask you this. What was like the first memory of then hearing the first single when you're looking out for? It's probably Spin the Black Circle, hearing it as a oh, single. Really? I think yeah. so. Um, it, it, just for, be- me too. Because of all the, like, the whole oh, really? controversy, right, around the lyrics and, and the, the Kurt Loder segment on NTV about what, you know, these, these groups thinking it was about heroin and, you know, this is the devil's music. And other, I mean, there was all these Christian groups that were really opposing. I'll never forget that. Uh, I mean, there's also, I think, the other, I don't I think I got the other singles after Versus because I didn't have access to like a record shop where I would be able to get them. You know, mm. around like the time that Versus was coming out. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Vitology singles. I mean, I had the Go and Daughter singles because I knew what Yellow Leadbetter was, but um, those came those came after the fact. Like th- those were exciting because they had B sides on them, not because they were a window yeah. into the album. Interesting. But even in that case. Like you had the Atlanta concert did give you Better Man and um, Whipping and Whipping, right, right, and uh, Satan's Bed. So in some ways, who you are was the first thing I think I knew off of No Code, and so that was obviously a, a mind fuck. Because even if, if Spin <laughs> yeah. the Black Circle was like was aggressive in a way that I wasn't necessarily anticipating, I also knew other things that were coming on that album that felt different. Right. So let's let's push ahead a little bit then. Um, did any? Well, I should, let, me say, let me actually pull back. What singles took you by surprise, both negatively and positively? Um, let's see. I would say that. I mean, I remember "Given to Fly," "Spin the Black Circle." I do recall um, "Who You Are." Um. I remember Life Wasted. I recall, I mean, obviously The Fixer and, and, and you know, Love, Love Bow Captain to me was probably the first, what I would say, negative. And that, that's the wrong word. Um, underwhelming. Wasn't, word. wasn't underwhelming I Am Mine the single? Did you, you so, had heard yeah, Love I wanted to ask you that, Paul. So I Am Mine was the first single off of that record. And then Save You was second. So I Am Mine was October 8th, 2002. Save You was February 11th, 2003. Love Bow Captain was two weeks later on the 24th of February, 2003. So how did, did you I actually, why, I don't remember. <clears throat> no, no, I didn't. I don't remember my reactions to, uh, I think I am mine. I, I vaguely remember thinking to my, I mean, this 20 years ago at this point, I, I remember thinking to myself, it was interesting, you know, I, um, mm-hmm. save you. I was not 
it was it, it was flat for me. I remember I remember that reaction, but I don't recall the experience of it. I vividly remember being in um like I vividly remember listening to Love Bo Captain. Like actually like oh I'm I'm going to sit down and I want to hear this single and being like hmm. huh interesting. <laughs> so I I I don't know. I mean I, I can't say that there's any like major disappointments. Um I don't recall any singles that made me you know, jump out of my shorts except for Dance of the Clairvoyance. And it was only because I was thrilled at the possibility that the band was going to expand their horizons in ways that we had never seen before. And so I, I was just very excited about mm. the possibility of them expanding the, uh, the depth and breadth of their sound. You've always had a very open mind, though, Paul, when it comes to this band. I think, I think a lot of people, um, and this is not... This is not judgy at all. It's um, it's I think it's common to expect something, and then when you're thrown for a loop, be taken aback. Maybe like, wait, that's not that's not what they sound like. I mean, it's of course the band is whatever they want to be, um, and we all learn to evolve our ears over time as well. But um, you know, a lot of people hearing who you are for the first time, being like that. I don't, I don't. What? Ew. Well, no, that that was my. I mean, the two strongest reactions I've ever had to Pearl Jam singles, one was was Who You Are, and it was exactly that. It was the first time it's like, oh, I'm going to have to like struggle to figure out what this is. And, you know, with Habit as a B-side too, not exactly the most inviting or traditionalist you know, B-side either. It was the first time I had the like, oh God, like what happened to Pearl Jam? What is this going to be feeling? Um, and No Code, you know, was not an album that, you know, I was head over heels in love with compared to the three that had come before it, which is why, like, mm-hmm. when the Given to Fly single first came out, like, it was, like, such a, it was such a relief. But then, uh, just because it was, all right, this is classicist Pearl Jam that I was, you know, looking for, soaring Eddie vocals, like, you know, huge, you know, anthemic sweep. And after that, it kind of took the, that one-two experience took a lot of the pressure off the of singles in the future because, you know, the future is, I mean, not right, excuse me, the single is whatever statement they may want to make about that album or what they want to say about the promotional cycle for it or what they want people to hear first, but it's it's not necessarily indicative of the album. But the strongest, um, strongest reaction I ever had was definitely Worldwide Suicide. Um, I remember I was house-sitting for my parents. I was you know, sitting in the back room where their computer was. There was going to be like a 12 o'clock you know, radio station playing it. And I was trying to get like a really crappy 2006 you know, like web stream to capture it. And after wanting Riot Act so desperately to be what it sounded like and be this, this flaming screed against the, the Bush administration, um, just to hear them come and to have a, 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 you know, nothing as it seems to be a relatively sober single I Am Mine, a song I adored, still being a relatively sober single, for them to come out of the gate with something so aggressive, especially mm-hmm. given the the kind of the the heavy the the weight that Riot Act has, the weariness of it, it was it was definitely my biggest like, oh thank God they're back moment that I had ever had yeah. with them. Yeah, um I'm with you there. And and like I said before, I, I didn't really notice the singles. Um in the nineties until, until given to fly and do the evolution. But so I was really on the lookout when nothing as it seems rolled around and being like, 
this isn't a single, but it's kind of cool anyway. And I, it was growing on me. And then it didn't, it, I still, you know what it was? I always had hope that they would play or write music that made me feel like I did earlier, which is kind of sad because a lot of bands are going to change their sound over time. And I think that's a good thing for a lot of bands. And so I was always holding out hope. Okay. This one's going to be amazing. I'm going to love this album. Of course, these I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that with, you know, 10 to 15 year old Jason ears as opposed to 20 year old Jason ears at the time. And so I had to learn to kind of appreciate what I was being, um, what I was listening to. So binaural, I always kind of liked because I don't know. I think it just it just had a different sound, and I recognized then that okay, this band is not going to ever sound like they did, but for whatever reason, this version is hitting me right. And so when and I didn't get to go to any of the shows in that tour, which I always will drive me nuts. But when they were promoting Riot Act, and I was looking forward to, I had been hearing things because you know the internet, like I said before, the internet started becoming a thing, right. And hearing I Am Mine, or knowing I Am Mine was coming, and then hearing it on the radio for the first time, I was like, oh, this is kind of a bummer song. I mean, it kind of looks up at the end, but like, okay. And being like, with Save You, being like, oh, all right, this is, this is more rock and roll. I, I can, I'm down, I'm down, okay, cool. But the album kind of like, oh, this, is, this is going the opposite direction I thought they were going to go. <laughs> So like like you, Stip, although what's funny is that tour was amazing. Um, when I got to Worldwide Suicide, it was like, oh, shit. They do still have some of that fire in their belly. They were choosing not to do it. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. duh. I mean, they're only like 40 at the time. Of course. That's old. I mean, they're younger than they were younger than we are now. And it made me rethink about the older albums that I was just kind of like, ah, I don't know. So you go back and listen to them with older ears and go, Oh, maybe, you know? And speaking of the internet though, that was like the first album, at least for me, I don't, I don't know about for you where all of a sudden, you know, and I, I found, I found you step in the message boards with mosquito around the, the ride act um, launch and tour. And that was like college for me just every day, just crushing the boards. Right. And it was through that community that then we got like those rough mix leaks. You get the, uh, the life wasted leak that mm-hmm. you know doesn't fade out and you get like a couple other things and it's like, oh my God, is this, this sounds great. This sounds great. It's like, did they, did they mean to leak this? Like, this, this is amazing. So they, I don't know about you guys, but when those leaks happened, were you, did, A, did you want to listen to them? And B, were you excited when you heard them? If you listen to them, so I always I want to listen to everything that comes out, and part of that I think is when you don't have the whole album in front of you and, and you're really desperate for it, and like the the period mm. where they're really starting to ramp up the 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 announcement, the arrival of the album, like you know this 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 lead up to it, um, it's it's so exciting because you're just, you're on edge for any scrap information you can get any like little clip of sound. And I love, I'm, I will focus so much on whatever I have that there probably nothing will ever get as much attention as those yeah. singles, those early leaks do because it, it's all you have. Like, you know, once the rest of the album is out, it's competing with 11 other songs 
And even if the quality isn't as good, when you actually then get to hear the final finished, you know, fixed version on the record, it's like rediscovering the song all over again for the first time. Mm. Um, and so I, I will devour like all of this and, you know, it, 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 it You're made, ravenous, the, Dip. I am, it's, yeah, I, I am insatiable. And it meant the first time I heard life wasted on, on avocado, having listened to that, um, that leaked mix, it, it was exciting to hear, you know, in all of its, like it's full force. And then the fury of, you know, of course of the, uh, the fade out you know, at the end and the, the righteous indignity that, I, that I felt there. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, whatever you can give me, as quickly as you can give it to me. Paul? See, for me, it's, it's, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. You want to talk about dichotomy. I, I think that as I've, I've grown older, I've become more um, comfortable with, with being patient with what they release. Um, just because there's these long lulls in between. And uh, if it's leaked, it's almost like, I definitely don't want to hear it, especially if it's like some you know garbage sound quality. I, I feel like it's it, it cheats me out of the experience mm. of of hearing the actualized version. You know, like that they put all this energy into these ambitions. I'm sorry, these compositions, realizing their ambitions, and then they want to put the, their best foot forward. And it's that's that's what I want to hear. And so <laughs> I feel like if I were to hear snippets or clips or you know some garbled you know version recorded some some mysterious way and then leaked it i don't know it it, it feels it literally feels like it's cheating me out of that experience that i hold so dear and i mean, i for me it's not can i wait until the album comes out it's more of a will i because i know i can i know for <laughs> a fact that i can sit here and just be like nah i don't have to listen to a thing i can casually and happily avoid it until the day it comes out and I'll just drive well, down let, the let road me and I'll buy it at Target or where the hell it's selling and I'll come home and I'll listen to it the way that I, I'm supposed to listen to it. Or, you know, let me say this. the, I the, think the pressure is you, Jason. Because <laughs> me? At some what point, I like, Well, I mean, well, we're going to have to have conversations, obviously. We have, you know, we, 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 have, we have a wonderful community here that's going to be like, Paul, come on! You're 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 <laughs> you're like muting the conversation oh, by not yeah, being in you tune. You got to listen well, for the now. Okay, okay. Well, we'll, yeah, exactly. we'll, 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 let's let's table that for the end of this conversation. So, I think there's a couple funny things here uh, in play. One is um, the fact that as we get older, um, you know, we mature in a lot of ways. We evolve in some ways, um, but we also have more distractions, both good and bad. Uh, some of those distractions are called jobs that are very um, intense and family and kids. Mm -hmm. And there isn't as much time to dwell on what we don't have, musically speaking, from Pearl Jam. So I can look up and it's been three days because I'm buried in something else. And then, oh, yeah, well, that's just three more days until until they, they announce this new record. Like. I, I, it's easier to kind of get through as opposed to when I was in college or in those – you know, from like 2002, 2000, you know, 10, maybe like you step, I was ravenous. I am on those message boards. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Reddit. And I am just like any new, you know, I'm, I'm F5ing all the time, every fucking thread. Like I am refreshing and trying to find the new comment. Oh, what do you, what is this person saying? Oh man. Yeah, I agree. You know, 
and just getting after it because the only people that are going to understand my ravenousness, is that a word, um, are everybody else in this community. So if, it, if, if the Red Mosquito Forums were your thing or the Facebook groups were your thing or the, the, the uh, official message boards were your thing, there are people in there that were just like ravenous with you and like commiserating and like theories. And so that's fun, but it's also like exhausting. And I think that's what forces you or allows you, I think a lot of people to then feel or, or succumb to the leak. And I don't feel as, um, I don't feel as ravenous to succumb to the leak, especially now, you know, with these new ears that I have, thanks to Paul, with this live card of the week thing that we do, that now sound quality and mixes and the, the, the little tiny things, little differences that can make or break that live cut. Now my ears are spoiled. I've got to, I've got to hear it the right way uh, all the time now. It does. It does not. For at least for me, it, it does not matter. Like two, oh two quick, God, two quick stories. And like, okay. and this is maybe this makes me a bad uh, employee and a bad parent. I'm going to put that out on the table. But when I was, I was you're doom scrolling I, on I, Facebook. I was coming home to to have dinner with my family. Um, we were going to like you know all sit down together. My wife had cooked something when uh, they had the listening party, and you know I told my wife like, sorry, I I pulled into the driveway and it's like I I don't know that I can go in and have dinner with you guys because some random person on the internet is doing a poor job of describing what he heard at the listening party. And I need to sit here and listen to it because right now this is the first anybody has heard anything of, of this new album. When Gigaton uh, first uh, first leaked um, and it was made available to me, this was a week after our college had shut down because of COVID. I'm a, I'm a oh, dean. no. I'm in charge of of helping to transition the entire college into online learning. I was on a phone call with the chair of our math department, and I see that it had leaked. And I told her, "It's like I'm sorry, I'm going to have to call you back in about an hour." It ended up being a little bit more. It ended up being a little bit more than an hour because Gigaton's a long record. But you know what? Like this is once every two, three, four years. It was seven years, you know, between uh, after uh, Lightning Bolt Lightning before Bolt. this. It's like. I'm I'm not going to get this again until you know who knows when possibly you know ever you never know it's like I am going to savor this moment when this song snippet leaks and I'm going to live in it and then when this full song is released as a single I'm going to live in that and then when st- other stuff starts to come out earlier and then I'll do it all again once the album launches and enjoy it with uh, with Paul and and Jason who have the patience <laughs> that I don't. Well, listen the. When Gigaton was being announced, actually, I didn't even, I, I knew, I knew that they had to be doing something new. I, I knew that they were, something new had to be coming sort of soon because I've been so damn long. And you'd hear rumblings here and there. And I wasn't super dived into the, to the boards anymore. So I was, my, my ear wasn't totally to the ground. Um, but when they did that, that little, what was it the viral thing where you, you held your phone up? and got a snippet of Dance of the Clairvoyance. Like it was like, there was one in Venice. There was one in like Chicago and New York. Like you'd see like the, you know, the icebergs melting. I was like, Oh, that's cool. But I said to myself, you know what? Now that I know something's happening, I'm going to be a good boy. And I'm not going to do what I did before. There's probably something out there somewhere, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick to the official channels. And I remember, um, if it was Ed or Jeff or somebody, 
playing the beginning of the record on, on vinyl and it like cuts off after like four, three hi-hat hits. And I was like, what's going to happen next? Oh my God. And it was great. And then I only listened to the singles when they were dropped. I didn't try and like sneak anything else. And like Paul, I, when the record came out, I put it on my phone and I put headphones in and I laid them. It was the, at night. So we're going to bed. I laid back. And I just closed my eyes, listened to the whole thing twice. And I go, this felt nice. So to bring things full circle, as I said, and as you mentioned, there was a listening party last week. Lots of people got to go. Also, some people decided to put information online that was (laughs) not supposed to be there. A lot of it taken down, uh, as it should have been. And uh, so if you're the kind of person who's ravenous, you, you you can make your way. If you're not, you are able to remain uh, pure, I guess, is the <laughs> new album pure. And uh, I think that's the way that I'm going to roll um, whenever they decide to announce something, new single, I'm going to listen to it then. And I'm going to wait for the whole piece of art when they drop the whole piece of art in you know a, a two or three months from that point, presumably. Because as we think, there are tour dates coming later this spring and summer. So, Paul, let's have the discussion then. Because if you are going to choose to go in full 90s and wait for a few months from now, <laughs> Stip's going to be here a lot. <laughs> exactly. So, well, luckily, he, he so has know, some practice in that role. So it's... You know, th- there's a journalistic kind of element to this, and I, I'm going to put that in air quotes because I don't want to, you know, overstate you know what you guys do with the podcast. Like, you know, when I if I if I write something for for this guy, I scrape. But some of it, you know, too, is the like, oh, when something is coming out, um, people are going to want to to know about it. Um, sometimes, if it's something the band doesn't really want to get out, like you know, I, I get that, and I. Certainly, even if I'm going to seek it out as a fan, I respect why they would not want it released, and I don't begrudge them when they try to crack down on that. I mean, that's you want to control how people hear your art, but you know there is a, a part of me that felt like I need to listen to this so I can be a part of the conversations on the forums. You know, Jason, you, you mentioned that earlier. That that's just as a fan, but then there's also you know recognizing. You know, there's a website that I'm a part of, and we're supposed to, you know, write about Pearl Jam. And if this comes out and it's news, um, you know, is there a part of me that just that needs to fill that niche for the community? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's a conflict, right? You, you, how do you? Um, yeah, because we we live in this weird kind of like this this weird um, part of the Pearl Jam, you know, fan work community experience where it's like we are fans. But we're also trying to spotlight conversations and and give people, you know, uh, new perspectives on the music or what the band is um, promoting or their um, activism or whatever you're, it is. You're, you're enhancing other people's fandom. You know, so yeah, it's yeah. I, I see what you're saying. It's difficult. Well, well, that that I mean that Stip Stip makes the salient point here, which is that. It it really is that there's a, there's work to be done here. You know what I mean? Like that there there's a job element to it mm. in the sense that um, if I choose not to, 
right? To listen to it. That that's Paul the fan wanting to experience Pearl Jam right. that way again. But the reality is that we have worked so hard to facilitate and contribute to a much larger conversation and be a part of a much larger community than um, at least I have ever belonged to in the past as it relates to this band. And so we have listeners and we have um, friends who want to have these conversations, who will be listening to this show to be a part of this conversation, who will be chiming in on the Discord channel to be part of this conversation and to willfully, um, you know, step away. You know what I mean? To, to, to recuse myself from the conversation for my own selfish desire of experiencing a record in a certain way. You, you have think, an obligation <laughs> here, Paul. Uh, it, well, and, and honestly, it, I think again, you know, with, with, <laughs> I'm going to put emphasis on obligation. I, ultimately, I think there is an obligation for me to, to listen to it because who the hell wants to listen to an episode of the show right after a single comes out where, you know, half of the, half the podcast hasn't heard the damn song it's and i'm just sitting here like trying to chat so that that's just the reality of, of the situation i could just describe it to you yeah, yeah exactly make that, you guess what it sounds go like over well you know exactly. especially i think if it's an official release like i get if something leaked and the band doesn't want people talking about it and you know as Right. You want to respect, you know, their wishes as as artists, but yes. you know, once it's once they have released it to the world, I feel like I'm allowed the to. Obligation, you know? The obligation, the obligation supersedes. Well, and 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 I, at that point, they want you to hear it. Well, let, let me let it's me tell like, you. It's not like singles weren't released back in the day. You know, singles well, they were do. released they, to radio back in the day, so they were teasing albums before they dropped. They, they do, but, but just, part it, of that obligation to me, like honestly, it's it's a. Uh, I'm partially indebted to Stip for this because they would release an album and I would listen to it. But the reality is Uh-oh, that here we go. I, I, well, no, I would listen to it, but the, the further unpacking of those songs for me happened on the sky screen. It didn't happen on boards. It happened when Stip would do a song by song breakdown and unpack those songs. And for me, that was the extension in a lot of ways of that conversation. That was that sense of community. Cause I, I was never really active on the boards, you know? So I feel like there is to a certain degree, to a large degree, really that obligation to, to try and be a facilitator quite, quite frankly, you know what I mean? And um, to provide people with the opportunity to extend the conversation and, and to enhance the quality of the dialogue so I really don't have the luxury of doing this the way I used to. That's just the reality <laughs> hey, of the situation. I, <laughs> and I, I'm okay I, with I that, really. Ju- I mean, it's, it's, I think that, you know, the, the responsibility that comes with, with the really cool thing that you guys have built. I made, I made a joke after um, there were like a couple of days um, after the listening party and nothing had really come out. And, you know, if, if Pearl Jam had asked people not to talk about it, that's different. But my initial thought was like, who are all of these lazy people who haven't shared what they heard? It's like, if I was there, there would be a 3,000 word essay about (laughs) an album I could probably barely remember because I heard it once. But, you know, damn it. Because they were asked not to. Well, no, (laughs) that's, and so that, you know, 
So in yeah. retrospect, there's t- a very- they were told they were told do not talk about this. This there's is for a, your ears so, only. So there's a very good reason in retrospect why I haven't yes. been able to find those things as a fan. Yes. Um, but had that not been the case, I mean, I would have thought that anybody who was there, you know, as somebody who experienced that, would have had some obligation to the fan community to share what they had because other people right. couldn't have been there. Again, if well, they say don't talk step. about it, that's different. I, um, full disclosure, I had, I was talking to a couple of folks who did go and this is like a couple of weeks ago and I'm saying, Hey, it would be great if we talked like right after the listening party so I could just get your thoughts. Like, what did you think of this? Not to like gain actual details per se, but just like, I want to know how you feel about this. Mm-hmm. And I got told 24 hours beforehand uh, we're not going to be allowed to say anything. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. No worries. Totally get it. Um, so that was that, but I had the same reaction you had. Like if, if this is an event meant to, um, create buzz and, you know, a little wildfire through the, through the communities, then I, I want to get a really great, um, recording of that for our listeners. But that was not what that event was for, and that's totally fine. Yep, Which means enough. now I'm just super stoked yeah. for when they decide that they do want to let us in on what they've been doing. And I've been waiting so long. I, I can wait. I'll, I'll be distracted by my children and my job for another week or two, whenever the hell they, it comes out, you know, <laughs> just fine. Or my yeah. backyard flooding, whatever whatever comes first. Yeah. Like the. Our uh, I mean, climate out always, here is... You can wait. <laughs> you can wait. It's something. Yeah. It's... And I... You know, part of me enjoys the wait. Well, no, most of me, all of me enjoys the wait. Because, like, I'm... You know, what else do I get this excited for? Like, there is nothing that gets me more excited than the anticipation of a, a new Pearl Jam record. And, yeah. you know, the the scavenger hunts that I'll be going through to, to read every review... You know, every I'm not on Twitter, but like you know, if I was every tweet, whatever the you know, in, uh, whatever some other equivalent of that is, like I I love this period, and once the album comes out, I'll have the album forever. But like the anticipation, how many more times in my life am I going to have this? And and That's that true. right That's there, the, the, therein lies the the heart of the matter. I mean, I have two kids, one of which is almost a decade old, and I did not know my daughter's gender until she came out of the womb. You know, like we had opportunities. He's a patient I, man, I, 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 Well, I, I just I elected not to because there are so few moments in our lives mm. these days. <laughs> we live in an information age where, where where attention spans are short and and instant gratification reigns supreme. And it's there was something in that that was like, no, like I, I want to experience that in an organic, holistic way, and it was very rewarding and satisfying. And I, I think it's I'm a little bit more conditioned. I think. And I think I, I willfully practice that art of patience at, almost as a, a, a therapeutic um, rebuttal or, 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 or a pushback against the, <laughs> the age in which we live. I don't know. So an, I'm not listening as an act of resistance against uh, modernity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to know when we know. And I just think yep. that the anticipation of – Pearl Jam music has always been interesting and in how it's changed over the years and how we choose to consume this art that we love. Um, and with this new record seemingly imminent, but who the hell knows? Um, yep. It seemed like a good time to go down memory lane and 
recall the moments that we heard Pearl Jam for the first time and eagerly awaited its uh, its arrival. So, I know and a lot that's of a larger there. conversation, right, Jason? I mean, I'd love to hear what uh, the folks listening have to say. I mean, what were their experiences? So, yeah, exactly. I mean, we've we've all consumed this stuff differently, and I know you guys out there are consuming this next thing in your own way. And, um, you know, if you're like step, if you're like me and Paul or somewhere in between, let us know, let us know. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, look ahead then to a, uh, a section we do. Well, we're getting to the end of this thing, I think, because not too many songs left. The, uh, the lyric of the week. All right, this week's Lyric of the Week comes from Gigaton, and it's Retrograde. Accelerate the change. Equal, all the Momentum Is this the second verse I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Step, why don't you go first? I think to, to really unpack these verses, you have to go back to the, the title of the song. Like if something is in retrograde, like retrograde means it's in retreat, it's going backwards. You know, you, I think it's often in the, or at least I first thought of, the, heard the term in like the context of like, you know, planets like Mercury and retrograde, it looks like it's going backwards. But two really important things to, to know about a retrograde, if you think about it in the context of a planet, like a planet has an orbit. Um, it's always going to, to come back around. And the fact that a retrograde is an optical illusion. And hmm. on an album that's about how do you respond to something like climate change or the way it felt like it was about COVID at the time, even though it was written before COVID, or just you know how do we rise to meet any of the challenges of the moment? Um, you know, a retrograde, I think, is about the illusory nature, you know, of our our powerlessness. That something's um, we're always going to have new opportunities. We're always going to cycle back to the point that um, we can make a change. Um, some of our problems are going to feel cyclical, and the but the our moment of strength is that when that change comes or when that opportunity comes back around to us, when it cycles you know, back to that same point in its orbit, is it going to be the same thing um, that we've experienced before? Do we have the opportunity to, to change it, to make it different, to bring something new uh, you know, into it? The, the lyrics in that, that second um, you know, verse, they accelerate the change, feeling equal and opposite, all the same, momentum rearranged, like, you know, these allusions to the conservation of, of momentum and all of that physics stuff I don't really, you know, understand. It is all of the same materials, but we have the power to to change it, to rearrange it, to do something different to it when it comes back to us. Like the, I think it's the next line, like the the shout, the echo returning back, but now changed. 
you know, um, even going back to the start of the song, you'd said that, you know, there's this huge storm by you right now. Um, it begins with this, the feeling of this guy, almost the, the singer, like summoning the weather, you know, almost hmm. like, you know, they're a, they're a conductor calling these things that are large to them, you know, into being with their power. Um, you know, I think that's the, and it, of course it builds to that with, you know, the, the magnificent, you know, ending at the song that, um, of the song that we do have the power to take these things that are in front of us, the materials that are, are given to us that are received and do something different with them if we want to. Yeah. And, and I would, uh, I would add on to that by saying that w- what gets in the way of that endeavor is ourselves. Uh, you know, you see a line like the rusted shapes refuse to fall. I think in a literal sense, it's just the, the man-made industry. Um, and, and, and all this construction and, and the way that it continues to, to weather the storm and rust and it just, it will not succumb and, and climate continues to evolve and rebel and it just continues to stand almost in defiance. And, uh, and, and it's some ways a metaphor for, for the will of, of man, but not in a manifest, not in the sense of manifest destiny, more in the sense of, you know, we are just going to continue to consume and produce in the interest of profit and greed and, uh, you know, the climate and, and the earth be damned in the process. And so I like the idea that this particular section of the song ends with, it's going to take much more than ordinary love to lift this up. You know, we can't just be putting flowers in the, um, in the, uh, in, in rifles anymore. You know what I mean? It, we've graduated beyond, beyond those moments of, of, of symbolic love and, and, and trying to reach each other in that way. Like we need action. We need immediate and urgent action. And we need to start taking things a little bit more seriously, which is in a lot of ways, a departure from Eddie saying, all, all you need is love. You know what I mean? And we've been talking about riot act and, and love boat captain. Mm. And I think, uh, we, we are at, at, at a, at a point in our time where we need to coalesce around, I think, some consensus that action needs to happen. So the, the phrase ordinary love is a really striking phrase because it sort of you know, begs the question, you know, what is an ordinary love versus an extraordinary one? And if you think about the two, um, starting with the end, you know, where there's this um, shift to, you know, th- this personal, like, well, it's on Just Breathe as well, like this introspective concern about family that runs through even the bigger moments of of lightning bolt can you know still kind of come back to this sense of protectiveness you know towards family like you know the intimacy that's there you know it, it songs like sirens especially future days you know at the end um the last couple of pearl jam albums prior to to gigaton you know ended with those really personal moments you know like and probably the traditional thing we think of when we think of love like love between two people love between you know families or you know love between you know spouses or lovers um gigaton ends really with two songs about solidarity um the the outro of of retrograde is you know clearly about people gathering power together um you know, uh, River Cross is is about that, you know, like um, share the light, you know, won't hold us down, is is where it ends. And so I've I've read that ordinary love or needing more than ordinary love to really be about that 
sense of everybody coming together, that that sense of community, like love as solidarity, which is much harder to understand, to wrap your mind around, to to produce, to sustain. But the the challenges that retrograde's alluding to, you know, that, that you just uh, described, Paul, are are not things that you can handle by yourself or you know, with a small group, it really does require everybody coming together with some kind of larger consciousness, some larger sense of community, some recognition that we are all in this together. This impacts everybody. This is all our responsibility. But if we do realize that, look at what we can accomplish. And listen, moving, moving anything in what you believe to be the right direction in a country as big and diverse as America is really hard. In, I think this verse really sums up, for me especially, uh, in the current political climate, um, sums that up, I should say. And we know that Ed is really focusing on the environment, as you guys talked about, uh, and, and the health of the earth at large. But I think, unfortunately, that this attitude, this struggle applies to so much more. You know, it's not just about, you know, the health of the planet, even though I feel like this is what he's directly sing, uh, singing about. I, I, think, I, I think a struggle, a constructive one, is good. We, all, we want all ideas to be considered, and then we find you know, the right recipe to do things that better the most people, or at least that's the idea, right? And I, I recently saw a video, maybe in a TED Talk, I, I don't remember, but the video spoke about some scientific study that basically came to the conclusion that the the kinder you are, generally the more intelligent you are. <laughs> so if we move back to the lyrics, you know, feeling equal and opposite all the same, by America's own founding documents, we are meant to be equal. It's not a uniquely American idea, um, of course, but we're, 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 we've written that maybe down in stone. But at the same time, you know, there are those who say they believe that, but act incongruently to its ideals. And so often any progress that we make as a society to make life better for most gets pushed back in some capacity, whether the people are doing it for nefarious reasons or not. So now our momentum is rearranged as it sings. And the next line that, that what you mentioned, step the um, shout, the echo returning back, but now changed, I, I think it can be applied to the media. All different media entities will as we know, spotlight, distort, or omit what they deem to be un- uninteresting, unhelpful, or antithetical to whatever their agenda might be. And, and by the way, I, I do think that media, um, that's, there are some media that try and do the right thing, but there is still editing to be done. You know, not, not everything that is edited out is necessary for the greater good. But the question is, what is the agenda? And the last couple of lines, I think, are fairly obvious. The old ideas that have stood for a long time, like their, their vantage point, that they were elevated by society at one point, but societies evolve. They move on. They progress. And even the most progressive ones were once archaic in their beliefs and systems. I mean, if you need proof, go back and reread your Western civilizations books from high school. I mean, it's not all gravy out there. But you know, in 2024, when information and the truth and reality is more easily accessible and attainable, you'd think that we'd have an easier time making life better for our fellow humans. But let me remind you about the previous line about changed echoes. 
So what did I say about kindness going hand in hand with intelligence? It's going to take much more than ordinary love to lift us up. I think that's what he's going for here. So I think Ed nails it uh, on more levels than I think he, oh, I think the song intends, but maybe he doesn't. I don't know. There, you guys think well, there, there's some, the music is doing a lot of interesting work in retrograde, especially with the juxtaposition between the, the, the core song and then the, the outro. Because yeah. it's it's almost apologetic. There's like a sheepish kind of quality to to retrograde. Like you know, it's a pretty song, um, and it's talking about some some weighty things. But it's it's sort of like shuffling and building up to its point until it sort of it, until it explodes at the the end. There, sort of you know, recognizing with the the divisions that you're talking about, uh, Jason. Just the the natural tendency of people to define themselves by their opposites. The all the forces that mitigate solidarity, that push back against us recognizing our own power as as individuals or especially as a as a collective, you know, he's almost like the song is almost apologizing for its hippie sentiment. You know, the way that you know you've uh, phrased it before with like sticking the the flowers and the guns. Until in the end, it just decides to own it, and you know, recognizing that you know whether this feels. Uh, a little naive or a little foolish or people perceive kindness as as weakness or naivete you know rather than intelligence recognizing that everything we've ever accomplished you know of of worth and value has come from countless different people coming together and working towards common purpose and there's nothing well, that stops us from doing it again look i i think your point about two different parts of the song is is apt because I think that first part of that song up until the, the, the outro essentially is almost like the kind, smart, reasonable people in our society trying to politely go do things by the book, you know, do things the quote unquote right way. I'm just going to vote. I'm going to, you know, fight the good fight and make sound arguments. But maybe the outro is people being like, you know what? That's not really working, is it? May need to be a little bit more aggressive about this. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's, I mean, eh, there's, there's a whole conversation there. But what you brought up, the whole apology thing, it made me think about being kind of, you know, polite and then not being polite about doing the right thing kind of thing. But anywho, there's 12 live performances of this song. Let's go find the best one with our live cut of the week. Okay, Paul, step. We've got, uh, like I said, 12 cuts of retrograde. The first one, Dana Point, Ohana Festival in 2021. The last one, step, you and I were there in Austin, Texas, 2023. It's a great moment. And uh, 10 more in between. So, Paul, where are we going? Well, that Austin show was uh, was great. Um, I don't know, something about that version. It's like, just felt like the timing was off in a few places at the end, almost like they weren't in sync. Couple times, um, dare I say, the ending feels a little messy. I don't know, maybe not. Um, just, I'll fight you after the show. I know we're, 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 we talked about that, <laughs> that 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 Mike's space jammy thing at the end. Just for me, it was just overpowering noise that drowned out everything else. But you had a great point about about it. Uh, 
you know, kind of like sounding like impending doom of the world, which I thought was pretty cool too. But I think just just in terms of, of, of a performance, I really loved Copenhagen and Berlin and London a lot. Uh, Copenhagen's probably the uh, the, the most balanced in a lot of ways, and that the ending is is still very exalted, and and I think that that's what I'm looking for at the end is that that exaltation, you know. So I'm going to go with the Copenhagen here in July of 2022.
Yeah, I have to agree with you, Paul. Um, the his performance from Copenhagen, um, it's got a lot of energy. No one's really missing a note. Um, Ed sounds really good. It's got a great mix. Um, I think the, the, there's a floor tom role that Matt does to get into the big moment that I love. It makes it that sounds thunderous to quote yeah. Ed, and in he song. enlists the crowd too. Ed, he really gets them in at the end. And there, are, listen, there are points. There are, there are versions of this where Ed kind of summons the crowd and wants them to make noise. He always kind of like asks for it. Sometimes it it sounds a little too needy for my taste. Some, some crowds almost. are just not. Yeah, it, it just doesn't work for me. But sometimes it just it it fits a little bit more, and the crowd is willing to oblige him more naturally. And I think this version did that nicely. And then the outro itself is huge. Uh, Mike's doing some really cool stuff with his phaser pedal, which I love. It sounds massive. Um, I think they sprinkled in boom very nicely in that in that mm-hmm. as well. And then Matt goes wild at the end. So I think from front to back, it was the most consistently great performance. I agree. London had some really cool stuff going on. I liked the craziness at the end of Austin. Um, like you I said, it you sounded did. like the, the world is exploding and... Stip and I can attest to that being there live. It was overwhelming in all of the best ways. (laughs) Jason highlighted, um, like what what you know what I'll call like the the Simpsons problem with uh, with with new songs. Um, There was there was a a stretch after like the Simpsons went into you know its creative dip, and I was a huge Simpsons fan, where I thought it started getting good again, and I realized that part of the problem was. People weren't watching it. I couldn't go into work the next day and and quote things, and <laughs> there wasn't any like shared experience around it uh, to to build up the significance of the lines, which might have been as funny on paper as classic bits, but didn't have that that shared history behind it. And they drop new songs from their their tour rotations fairly quickly. And I think they do it in part because they don't necessarily get the crowd reactions that some of the older ones may have, but they won't get the crowd reactions unless you commit to playing with, uh, and you know, playing them retrograde mm. works so well live, uh, so much better than I think it has any rights to, it might well be like the best live experience other than quick escape from that album. And I'd have retrograde. I mean, I love almost everything on gigaton, but it's towards the bottom of the, the record for me, but it's, it's, right at the top live and i hope they don't drop it because you know jason's right sometimes it it feels a bit much to have ed asking for it but if if they just stick with this a little bit i think it'll come up authentically you know like the, the moment invites that that crowd swell the song you know earns it it just needs time to to settle in so that people get there on their own yeah well said <laughs> I agree. Well, uh, listeners, uh, thank you for sticking with us through this episode. I know it's it's hard when we're anticipating new music at any moment now, any day, any week. Um, but yeah, we're going through it together. That's the point. That's the point of this show is we do things together. And um, thank you, big thank you to our patrons for helping us keep the literal lights on that are on me and Paul right now. And, and uh, our uh, esteemed guest on, of honor, our esteemed guest of honor, of course. The funds aren't going to Stiff's Lights. Yeah. That's no, but but a great thank you to, to Stip for joining us. <laughs> I'm tonight. Yes, of course, always of happy to be here. I'm going to go yes. rate and review and subscribe and uh, <laughs> again for the fortieth time. And, uh, there's something I've been told I have to feed that I don't think <laughs> yes. I was reminded of at the top there of the show. Is. There no, it is. yeah, there it is. There it is. There it is. Uh, 
If you got thoughts on retrograde, let us know, and let us know your how you approach new new Pearl Jam music. Well, what did you do in the past? Did you did you seek out the the solace of the internet? Did you commiserate? Did you abstain from anything until the official record came out? Let us know. We want to know. We want to continue the conversation. Get on the Discord server. Get on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Threads. Let's keep it going. Um, next week, oh baby, we've got a conversation with a photographer. Many of you know but might not know all at the same time. He's got a new book coming out in a couple weeks all about Nirvana. His name is Charles Peterson. Oh, baby, it's going to be a hell of a conversation. And there's more. There's more interviews down the pike. I can't reveal them just yet, Paul. I can't give away I know you everything. Can. But I'm sure everybody appreciates But the they're dudes. good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be back next week. And until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. The State of Love and Trust.